In this series, we hear stories about the role masculinity plays in today's world, as I try to become a better version of myself every day. Join me and let's discover this together. Trying to influence something that you have no physical control over only damages you. Today's guest is Adam Bland, a survival equipment technician in the Royal Navy. Adam is also a facilitator for Andy's Man Club, a man support group that hosts meetings throughout the UK. In this episode, we'll discuss what a man does when he realises there's something majorly wrong with his health and how he deals with it in the aftermath. Let's travel to the south coast of England, where Adam is sat on the toilet and something just doesn't seem right. Having some alone time away from the wife and kids, and I go to wipe myself and see sort of bright red blood all across the toilet roll. Do the double take, wipe again, same. Kind of not sure what to do next, that, that sort of internal panic. Like, there's not enough there that I'm bleeding out and I need an ambulance, but that's not normal. Not like a fear, I'm going to die, instantly sort of fear, but just an anxiety of what is this? What is this situation going to lead to? How am I going to fix this situation? Which I think is something that a lot of men have in common. We have this need to control what's going on around us. So my initial anxiety, my initial fear of that situation was... I don't think this is something I can have control over. I go downstairs, make a cup of tea, try and calm myself down. Pop out in the garden for a, for a vape and straight on to Dr. Google. Prostate cancer, haemophilia, there's so many, a list of different things that are going to kill you within weeks on Dr. Google and go into sort of panic mode. Need to go and see a doctor about this. From there, probably the longest couple of weeks of your life when you're waiting for results, stuff like that. Suspected sort of irritable bowel syndrome or a stomach bug or something like that. So again, lots more tests and over the coming months, repeated blood tests, stool samples, urine samples, trying to track down what it is that's causing these symptoms. And that's when one of the doctors I was seeing at the time said, no, I'm going to refer you to gastroenterology department at the local hospital. I went along, um, had another set of tests done, went for a colonoscopy to get the results back eventually with a diagnosis of Crohn's disease, which is a, a top urethral bowel disease. And the sort of questions that then raised for me it's something that, whilst it isn't necessarily going to kill you or completely destroy your life, it will or has the potential to, to change the way you live. How do you think going through 
this experience has helped you to become a better man? Uh, I think the ability to recognise when I can't control something, I'm able to sort of kind of take a step back from that situation. Being able to recognise that I don't need to control the situation is something that I'm still working on. So, for instance, I need to get to work by 8 o'clock in the morning. I have control over that because I can get up at a decent time, get shower, change, make sure I've got my lunch ready, know that I need to be in the car for half past seven so that I give myself enough time to get to work by eight. Fine, I've got control over all of that. Once I get in the car and I leave the house and there's a traffic jam, I don't have control over that. Probably two years ago before I kind of found Andy's Man Club and spoke to guys who were having the same sort of experiences as me and, and struggling to deal with those experiences was learning from other people that trying to influence something that you have no physical control over only damages you, doesn't damage anybody else and doesn't cause anybody else any issues. So, you know, I know there's a certain amount that I am able to do about my health condition, i.e. take the medication that I'm given regularly, try and eat a healthier diet, don't drink as much, get more exercise. I know that I have control over those things. So if I don't do them, you know, fair enough, be upset about it. But there are also things that, you know, I might have a day where I'm absolutely exhausted and I can't do something that I want to do. I don't have control over that. It's talking that through with the guys at AMC has really helped me to kind of let go of the tension and anxiety behind that. The way I think it's helped me be a better man is just to accept that I am who I am and the way I am and that the whole world's not against me. I don't know if it's a precondition, like I said, the pressures of society I feel like I've put on me. It's probably a bit of a narcissistic personality trait, you know, or an only child issue. <laughs> um, on a child on the child syndrome. Yeah, only child syndrome, 100%. I've got it. My wife tells me I've got it all the time. Um, I stamp my feet if I don't get the right sausage in my dinner and stuff like that. Um, but no. <laughs> is, that, is that why you've got more than one child as well now? <laughs> so you don't have to deal with those... The only child syndrome issue. I don't know, because I'd argue sometimes it's more difficult when I've got to look after the two boys. But at the same time, it, it, it helps me to put myself in the rest of the world, if that makes sense, just to recognise I'm not the centre of the world. I'm the centre of my world. I know I have to look after myself because I can't do anything for anyone else if I'm not functioning properly. But at the same time, the rest of the world is doing the same. The rest of the world are making sure they can function, should be making sure they can function mm. so they can help everybody else. Um, it, and, it, and it's a really difficult sort of thing to do if you're not used to doing it. I found it really difficult to put myself in that position. Certainly I've noticed and started to recognise, as well as a lot of the guys I speak to at Andy's Man Club have recognised, they want to fix things. If something's broken, they want to fix it. Now, if you want to talk about DIY, I haven't got hope in hell. I'm absolutely terrible at DIY. But, you know, if one of the kids falls over and hurts themselves, I need to know how to repair that and fix that. I need to know how to 
make sure this works or that works or if my relationship isn't quite right at that moment in time, I want to fix it. Instead of doing what's right to allow it to repair, I want to fix it. I need to be in there fixing it. So being able to to take a step back, one of the things I'm working on at the moment, one of the things I talk about regularly in Andy's Man Club group on a Monday night is I feel like I'm not performing properly as a parent at the moment. I'm not doing what my kids need me to do. They're a pretty average, normal seven and eight-year-old. They shout, they kick off of each other, they fight, they watch YouTube, they say swear words. You know, there's loads of different things that they're doing that I don't want them to do as a parent, but I find myself completely out of sort of control of that situation. And and the way I know how to deal with that is to tell them no, tell them to stop, ask them to separate from each other, send them to their bedrooms, send them to the naughty step, whatever it might be, wherever we are. But right about there, that's where my qualifications end. And I, I try and talk to them about it. They don't want to talk. And rather than just giving them space, I'm like, I need to solve this now. I need to make them understand that they can talk to me. Well, actually, that's not the way to deal with that. So I'm, I'm learning at the same pace that they're learning. And kind of the feedback I got from one of the guys the other evening at AMC was give yourself the credit that you've recognized that. Give yourself the time to achieve it. The first step in solving any problem is to uh, is to recognize and, and be self-aware, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The control thing is so fascinating because I, I have issues with that as well. A lot of men do. And I think for me, when I've kind of analyzed and reflected upon it, a lot of this stuff goes back to when you're a kid, doesn't it? And, you know, if you felt like you weren't in control of a situation, you're almost subconsciously saying to yourself, when I'm older, I'm going to be the master of my ship, master of my destiny. I I can do whatever I want to do and no one's going to tell me what to do. So my whole life has been, has been kind of subconsciously or, or consciously I've mapped that out for myself so that I've got hundred percent freedom. I've got my own business. I, I can live wherever I want, et cetera, because I don't want to feel that someone else is controlling me or, or I don't have things that I'm not able to control. And I think that's kind of related to traumas of, you know, when I was a kid or, you know, and that is then brought into adulthood as well. Is that the same for you? Yeah, I think so. I kind of had a, a sort of a negative relationship with my dad as I grew up because he was in the Navy and as I became more self-aware as probably the age my kids are now, sort of seven or eight, he was away for like big events in my life. You know, my birthday, Christmas, all of the stuff that a kid wants. He was often away for those. And um, I really begrudged that. And I got older and I kind of, you know, him and my mum got divorced just shortly after he left the military. And I really struggled with that as a kid. And then I joined the Navy myself at 17. I don't really know why I joined the Navy at 17. It was kind of something I fell into, I suppose. I was probably always destined to go that way with family connections to the Navy and stuff like that. But again, it was almost out of spite to my dad, like, well, you did it, so I'm going to do it. All of the things that people said to me when I said I'm going to join the Navy made me go, oh, well, I'm going to do it. Whether they were negative or positive. So I did that. And I quite quickly in the first couple of years had a, a newfound respect for my dad's journey and how his life was when he wasn't with me 
and why my childhood was the way my childhood was. We've sort of been angry at him because he wasn't there. And then quite quickly, when I had kids, I started panicking that I wasn't around enough for them. So it's, it's you know, am I passing on the negative connotations of stuff to my kids? So the whole thing of control, Adam, do you think it perhaps, I could be wrong with this, but do you think it's to do with the fact that you couldn't control the fact that you wanted your father, who was sounds like your role model, you wanted him to be around all the time, but you, you didn't have any control over that when you were a kid, So because he was travelling with the Navy. Yeah, I think probably right. Or, or at least that contributed to it. I don't think that any of my issues that I deal with now that I've recognised that I'm trying to work on are caused by any one significant thing. I know a lot of people that struggle with their own headspace and things that they're trying to deal with are down to one specific moment or specific relationship or experience. I was always raised, to be honest, but I always got away with saying what people wanted to hear rather than being honest. People pleasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and again, potentially that, or I think that was probably my way of controlling the situation. So I could talk about what I wanted to talk about by pleasing the person I was talking to. So if it was my mum, I just told her the stuff that I knew she wanted to hear about that situation and she would be happy and I would move on. And then go to my dad and tell him what he wanted to hear. And, and you know, I, I people pleased. I people pleased a lot of the time. And I wouldn't say it made me grossly unhappy. I'd say I enjoyed my sort of formative years at school bar a little bit of bullying. I'd say I would I enjoyed the initial period of my naval career. You know, bar a few negative personal experiences. But everybody has those things. Everybody's been through either the same or similar to what I've been through. Yeah. It's very common, isn't it? I've had that issue as well with like with people pleasing and um I ended up doing it for many, many years and then only realizing after a while that my life is worse off for overcompensating for someone else. Because I think I like to think I, I want to help people, but you're going so far out of your way that it's actually at the detriment to you. And then you're feeling afterwards, I don't feel great after doing that, you know. And perhaps sometimes people didn't appreciate it anyway. Yeah, that's one of. It's kind of why I like where I am now in terms of how I deal with my week. I go to Andy's Man Club on a Monday. And a lot of the guys, you speak to a lot of the guys that, that go to the group that I'm at, and they will, you know, oh, you really helped me do this, you really helped me do that. And I'm like, you've done all of the work, and I know you've done all of the work because I've been helped in the same way that I'm now trying to help you. You know, just opening those doors and sitting down and listening to each other um, properly and giving someone the space and time to be open and honest whether they're being open and honest to you for your sake or for their sake, eventually they will do it for their sake. You know, almost like a positive peer pressure thing. You know, when you're saying what you're saying because you think that's what people want to hear, eventually you're going to get to a point where you just go, I need to say what I need to say for me. What I find is a lot of guys test the water. So a lot of guys will start talking about a subject. You know, I had this issue. Oh, this is upsetting me. Oh, this week it's this. Oh, this week it's that. And then a few weeks in, what's actually bothering them will come out. What's actually playing on their minds, the real thing that they've carried around with them for years 
or the thing that they've really been struggling with lately will come out because they've been testing the water. And I think we do it in daily relationships with people. You know, when you first start to develop a relationship with a partner, when you start to develop a relationship, whether it's as a child or as an adult with a friend, you, as you develop, you test the waters with humour. You test the waters with a joke. And then you see how similar your sense of humour is to that person. I want to ask you about, if we go back to the, if we kind of combine the humour and having Crohn's, can you talk about how you dealt with that with your mates, how you told them the first time and how you kind of incorporated humour into that? Because I think that's an important issue to talk about and how men try to play play down things or make a joke out of something that actually is an important part of their life. Or use humour as my defence mechanism. If something, if I need to talk about something serious, I will quite often tell a story about a situation with a humorous outcome. And normally the humorous outcome is the thing that I am most worried about because it's the thing that the story focuses on because that's what's in my head. Can you take us to the first moment that you told your mates about Crohn's and and, how, and what was the joke that you said? What I did was I told them a story about the pill cam. So if you've never come across a pill cam, it's a, a tablet that's uh, two, three centimetres long. It looks like a like a cod liver oil tablet, like a supplement tablet. And the top half is clear and see-through and it's got a camera and a strobe light in it. And you take it and they put a, a band around you with a receiver and the receiver's got a screen on it. And that screen, you know, you can activate it and you can watch your insides as this tablet's traveling through you. So the way I told my sort of friend group and the people that I didn't really know how else to tell them was I told them about this pill cam and how it worked because it was something that not a lot of people maybe realized happens or knew existed. And then I get the video that, of the camera and I showed them and I made a joke about those little things that are floating around and stuff like that. And that was my out. That was my way of, you know, getting them to say, oh, well, what happened? You know, what, what was the result of that? That's like, that's weird. Or they'll laugh and you know, what happened? Oh, well, it turns out I've got Crohn's. Oh, Crohn's is in like, well, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got to take medication. I'm on these tablets now. And, and then I could have that almost serious conversation about it. And, you know, it means I'm going to have to be on these tablets for quite a long time, if not forever. It means I'm going to have to do this. It means that, you know, I'm, I might lose my career. It means that I might. So it opened the door for me to talk about all the things that I then didn't necessarily have control over. With Crohn's and potentially having it for a long period of time, how have you been able to let go of that, so to speak, that you can't control this condition that you ha you have this and and being able to live with it to be honest letting go of other stuff being able to sort of vent on a weekly basis means that i don't panic about stuff on a daily basis necessarily so more often than not if i had something coming up i would worry about that specific event now i have a chance not even a chance i have the structure in my life where on a Monday, I go and vent. I tell people about things that affected me the week before or the things that I've got coming up in the next week that are worrying or concerning me. And then I also build relationships with people from that group that I can sort of spill my guts to during the week. I've also developed, you know, less of a fear about talking openly to 
friends and family about stuff. So I'm a talker anyway. I will talk to people, but I won't necessarily say the things that I need to say for my own benefit because I don't want to feel like, I never used to feel like I wanted to burden other people with it. But actually what I found was when I started telling the people about my real issues, they would allow me that time and space to talk about it. They would maybe even offer some of their own experience back as, you know, this is how I dealt with it or try this or, you know, do you know what, I really understand where you are. If you ever need something or you just need some space, you know where I am. You know, just offers like that sometimes give you enough confidence just to get it off your chest. And then actually I'm not having to deal with that. I'm not having to carry that around. I'm not having to worry about that. That then allowed my brain to deal with the crimes. There's a potential that if it can't be got under control, I might not be able to stay in the military. That worries me because it's all I've done since I was 17. What do I do if I have that taken away from me? Because I'm allowed or I've allowed myself the space and time to talk to other people about that, it doesn't worry me as much. It still worries me. It still concerns me. It still puts my future and what I had planned for my family and myself, it still puts that at risk. But rather than focusing on that risk and rather than focusing on that negative, I can go, well, you know what, if it does affect my career, if it does mean that I you know, can't carry on doing what I'm doing now, there's a million other doors out there. There's a million other things I could go and try and succeed at. Whereas probably two years ago, if I'd have had this diagnosis and there would have been a risk to my career, it would have been the end of the world. You know, if someone rung me now and said, this person that you're close to has passed away, it would hurt. It, it, I'd be emotional. I'd start to go through that instant grieving process. But I know I've got lots of people that I can go and talk to about that who would understand it. So I then don't have to disappear down a rabbit hole. I don't have to shoulder that weight on my own. One of the things that I like about Andy's Man Club and one of the things I enjoy doing is going out to events or public spaces where we can encourage people to talk to us to stop people in the street and tell them that we're Andy's man club and we're about men supporting other men through their storms because as soon as you tell someone that you're willing to listen they open up and they start having that conversation with you the more men that can start to learn to do that to accept that conversations happening the better off we will be no one's going to say to someone in the street, uh, hi, how are you doing? And the person replies, well, I'm actually terrible right now. Or, you know, he, you would just be, I'd almost be shocked if I said, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm terrible. How are you? you, you I don't think I've ever had that response. But what an incredible world we'd live in if a random stranger could walk past you in the street and say, hi, how are you doing? And you could be open and honest with them. Do you know what? I'm, I've just lost someone. I've just had this terrible experience. This has just happened to me. I'm going through a bit of a rough patch. And that person could have the ability to just go, wow, do you know what? I had a recent experience like that. It's really difficult, but I made it through that experience. I'm now ready to have that conversation with other people. I'm now ready to listen to other people when I ask them, are you all right? And actually listen, 
not just go, oh, yeah, that sounds terrible. Good luck dealing with that. Actually sit and listen and let them say what they need to say. And then if I've had a similar experience or I know someone else that has, I can empathise with them. I can, you know, say, I kind of understand where you're coming from. I've had this situation that made me feel like that. I haven't got any answers for you, but I'm always here if you need to ask, you know, we need to vent. A lot of people have got that skill set. A lot of people just aren't willing to give the other person the time. We're too scared of appearing strange to somebody else or appearing a bit weird. We're all weird. We're all strange because we're all individual. No two people are really ever the same, but we've all got extremely similar experiences. I could relate a lot to Adam Bland's life, especially in the area of control. Control was a big part of his life and his masculinity because when he was talking about being diagnosed with Crohn's disease and initially telling his friends, he wanted to control the narrative around that because he didn't want them to make jokes at his expense. He wanted to be able to make the joke up front so that they couldn't do it afterwards. And it's fascinating on this idea of control. And as men, are we going to allow ourselves to release control instead of being able to try to control every aspect of our life, which is a very difficult thing to do because we are influenced by many different factors going on in the world. We can't control other people's responses. Someone says something bad to us in the street or a friend makes a joke at our expense or a family member says something that we don't like. We can't control that. But I think as men, and I'm talking about myself as well, we try to control those things. And sometimes it's about letting go in life. And I think Adam is starting to learn that and he's grown as a man. But initially getting that diagnosis of Crohn's disease created a lot of fears in himself about what other people would think about him. Hence wanting to use humor, self-deprecating humor in order to control the narrative. I could also relate to Adam when he had these symptoms and he was on the toilet, he saw a lot of blood and the first thing he did, he immediately rushed down, went to his friend Google and feared the worst. And it's almost as a man you feel depleted or you feel less of a man because you have this condition. And when he actually was diagnosed, he really had a lot of challenges that he had to overcome to figure out that he's not less of a man just because he's got this condition but it really does deplete us if we allow it to. And I think this goes back to the control thing as well of letting things go. Make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review while you're there. It would really help me a lot as I look to grow the show. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week for another great story. Thanks so much for listening. Now you probably know I'm looking to grow this show. Since you're here, I'm guessing you're a fan, but you might not know how to help. Here's how. 1. Tap follow wherever you're listening. 2. Give it a 5 star review on your podcast app. This helps more people discover the show. 3. Send this episode to one person. They'll thank you for it later. I really appreciate your help. See you on the next one.